When we read the Christian scripture, we believe that we're doing more than studying an ancient text. We believe that God actually speaks to us through these words. So let's take a moment of silence to clear our minds and quiet our hearts so that we can listen to God's word. Today's reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, and chapter 17, verse 3. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. God didn't send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. This is eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Friends, will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for your word, and we pray, God, that you would would speak to us, that you would open our hearts, our minds, our ears, uh, to hear from you, to receive from you tonight. Uh, We come ready and eager and needy for a word from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, tonight we're continuing in our series, Flourishing Future, talking about uh, where we're headed as a church and the unique vision and mission that God has given us as a community and what it means to stack hands, to commit to each other uh, and to God's mission in this time and place. And I don't know that we have said that that uh, image, the, the series graphic, was created by Sky, designed and created by... Our very talented friend over there. And you can have your own print if you didn't get one in the mail. Uh, There's postcards over there that you can grab on your way out. If the feedback gets really annoying, raise your hand and let me know, and I'll switch mics. Are we okay right now? Okay. Uh, So tonight, as we talk about who we are as a church and where God is leading us, we actually have to start by zooming out for a moment. Because when we look at the entirety of Scripture, when we look at the overarching narrative of Scripture, we see that mission is the heartbeat of God. For God is ascending God. We flip through the pages of Scripture and God reveals himself as ascending God. And that's the root of the word mission. If you want to pull out your Latin, missio, it means sending. God who sent Abraham and Moses and Isaiah. God who sent Miriam and Ruth and Esther. God who sent the nation of Israel to be a light to the nations. God who in the fullness of time, at just the right time, sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to save the world through him. God is ascending God. The storyline of scripture is the storyline of this God who is mercifully and graciously committed to his mission of rescue, of restoration, of redemption, this creation that he so dearly loves. There's this moment in the Gospel of John, if you were to keep reading in the Gospel of John, past John 3, past John 17, if you go to the end, and there's this moment after Jesus has been raised to the dead from the dead, but his disciples, they don't understand, they don't get it, they haven't really had that revealed to them in a way that they understand, and so they're huddled up together in a room, terrified. They're huddled up together in a room, make sure the doors are locked, scared that that what happened to Jesus, well, that they might be next. And Jesus, the risen one, comes to them, stands in their midst, 
in their fear, in their locked down, locked up places, Jesus comes to them and Jesus says to them, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. He breathes on them the gift of the Holy Spirit and says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. You're in that long line of Abraham and Moses, Isaiah, Miriam, Ruth, Esther, the nation of Israel, Christ himself. You're in that long line. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you, you, y'all, us, caught up in the mission of God. And so we have to ask, well, what does that look like for us right here, right now? As this local church, in this context, in this place and time, 2022, Denver, Colorado, it's a question that every local church has to answer. What's ours to do? So we're a new church, and over the past year and a half, we've talked a lot about our vision as a church to see signs of Christ renewal in central Denver and beyond. And tonight we're talking about our, our mission. So what's the difference? Mission, vision, what's the difference? What does it matter? Well, here's how I would define those terms. Mission is our unique task as a church. Given who we are and where we are, what's our unique task as a church? It's what we do. Vision is what we hope to see happen as we're doing our mission. It's like looking down the road, what could be, what God could bring about. That's the the vision. To put it another way, mission is what we do as a church, and vision is why. The why. So here's what we believe the work the Lord is inviting us into, the mission of Nova. And it's this, inviting people to enjoy life with God. Inviting people to enjoy life with God. So we're going to unpack that in reverse order to make it nice and confusing for everybody. We're going to start at the end with God. Here's how author Richard Foster puts it. He says, the life we have been created to live is the dynamic, pulsating with God life. The with God life. I love that. We're inviting people to know, to experience, to encounter, to enjoy the with God life. God who came taking on flesh, making his dwelling among us. Or as Eugene Peterson puts it in the message paraphrase, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That's the kind of God we worship. The kind of God who takes on flesh and blood and moves into the neighborhood, who comes real close, who draws up so near to us. Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's the God we're worshiping tonight. God with us. And through Jesus, we have access to the life of God. Through Jesus, we have entry into the very life of God now and forever, which means this. It means you're ordinary every day, brushing your teeth, making coffee, changing diapers, tying your shoes, life. It means you're riding in an Uber, catching a flight, filling up the car with gas, texting, sleeping, walking, playing, cooking, life. It means your anger, your sadness, your frustration, your your desires, your pleasure, your pain, your suffering, your fears, all of that with God. God, the creator of life. God, the sustainer of life. God, the redeemer of life, who redeems our life from the pit. God, the rescuer of life. The God who rescues us from the grave. God, who is the resurrection and the life. The bread of life. The way, the truth, and the life. God, who is the giver of life. We're invited into that life. The with God life. In Jesus, through his life and through the giving up of his life unto death and through the resurrection of his life, 
through Jesus, we're invited into the very life of God. In the ordinary, everyday, with God, life, life to the full. I don't know if you all are the kind of people who like to say amen, but feel free. Life to the full, life abundant, life of the kingdom of God, life of new creation, life that starts now and goes on forever and never, ever, ever is going to end. The with God life. All right, next part. Enjoy life. Our passage from John talks about the gift of eternal life. I was reading uh, to my kids recently. I wasn't at my house. I was at my in-law's house. Don't tell them. And I was reading a book of theirs, a, a children's Bible. And as I was reading it to my kids, I found that I needed to like edit it as I read it out loud. I needed to like censor a little, a little of the book because it was not biblical. <laughs> it was not accurate and true to what Scripture says. For example, it said that Jesus it kind of summed it all up and said that Jesus died so that you can go to heaven when you die. But that very much reduces the death of Jesus and the mission of God and the goodness of the gospel. So you see why I had to edit it on the fly. It very much reduces what God has brought about in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And yet, it's a common misconception in the church. Sometimes we read that phrase, eternal life, and we kind of do go to, okay, that means heaven. Like, here's some good news once you die. (laughs) Heaven. But eternal life speaks to the life of God, this life of new creation, the life of, of the resurrection. Life that starts now. Good news now. And goes on forever. Or as Jesus says in John 17, eternal life is knowing God. Now this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God. And when scripture talks about knowledge, it's not talking about like, good job, gold star on that Bible content quiz. When it talks about knowledge, it's talking about experience experiential knowledge, like you yourself are invited into the joyous presence of God to make your home there and to find the unforced rhythms of grace there. For the yoke that Jesus invites us to wear, the the ways that our life is partnered with Jesus, the way that we're united with Jesus in this with God life, it's, it's easy, it's light, it's rest for our souls. It's not the ill-fitting way of performance. Jogging on that treadmill with everything you've got. It's not the ill-fitting way of like slavish obedience, just sort of toeing the line. No, it's enjoying life with God. But I wonder how many people think of God as a being, as a person to enjoy. Maybe one to perform for or to ignore or to be skeptical of, or just to obey. Maybe we have some good news to tell, and some good news to receive all over again for ourselves, to enjoy life with God. I found myself this week mostly really angry, mostly just in a really bad mood, like not getting enough sleep, and I got three-year-old problems, frustrations with not enough time to get my work done, and my car battery dying. And for a second, I started to feel really guilty in that, like how mad I was, because I'm working on a sermon on enjoying life with God. And and I 
couldn't stop snapping at my family (laughs) and threatening to throw away every Lego in our house. And that would make Chuck really sad if I did that. (laughs) And for me, anyways, the guilt can give way to shame. (laughs) And here comes the spiral. But if I do that, it occurred to me, if I do that, I'm actually missing the point. Because in my anger, the Lord is there. In my frustration with preschoolers, in my car troubles, the Lord is there. And the invitation is not to pretend otherwise, but just to be open to the presence of God right then and there. This with God life, this enjoying life with God, it's it's about welcoming the presence of God in my actual life, not where I think I'm supposed to be or how I think I should be living or responding, but my actual life. To welcome God there and be responsive to God right there. To enjoy life with God. Now that last part, inviting. So I keep seeing this commercial lately for uh, Carvana, if you're familiar with that, that company. Uh, sells uh, cars online, famous for their car vending machine. There's a new one, an I-25. Maybe you've noticed that. Uh, I believe the commercial uh, that I've been seeing a lot, I think it first played during the Super Bowl. And it's a woman, that woman, who has had a really great car buying experience. So much so that she can't stop talking about it. Like in the elevator, to the cashier at the grocery store, in the dentist chair, during her speech at a wedding reception, in the courtroom she presides over as a judge, uh, when she's video conferencing with her son, when he's in the middle of a work meeting. She talks like nonstop about Carvana. And when I first saw the commercial, for a split second, I thought, okay, she's enthused. She's passionate. Is this an example of, of sharing your faith? of inviting people into the life of God. And then I watched it one more time, and I thought, oh, no. (laughs) This is not a good example. Because she's talking the whole time. We couldn't figure out how to play the commercial uh, during church, so I will text all of you the YouTube link (laughs) after church so you can watch this, because she is talking the whole time, and she's talking over people. And she's not listening at all. She's definitely not asking questions. She doesn't realize when her presence, when the way she's acting is super awkward for everyone else involved. She's not actually paying attention to the people right in front of her. When I was in college, I was a leader with a ministry called Young Life. And and towards the end of uh, my junior year, as the year was wrapping up, um, the director of the ministry, he gave us all these kind of kind of funny, like superlative awards um, at the end of the year. And he gave me the, the Billy Graham Taking It to the Streets Award. And he based this off of a couple times where I was supposed to go to a team meeting and I was running late because I was having a conversation with someone about Jesus. And I think that was real, if I remember correctly. That wasn't just like an excuse, you know, like flat tire and I was telling people about Jesus. Sorry I'm late, you know. I think it was real. But... When I look back on that time in college, honestly, when I look back on the the ways that I did evangelism, the ways that I talked to people about Jesus, I really honestly cringe when I look back on that time. Because I had some of that Carvana lady vibes. Like I had my prepared like gospel presentation, and I did a lot of talking, and I thought this is just what I'm supposed to do. But I wasn't asking good questions. And I wasn't just curious about what God was doing in that person's life. 
I realized, okay, I don't want to be that person. Like pretty soon after college, I realized I don't want to be that Christian. But I didn't know how to do it. I do believe in the goodness and beauty of Jesus. I do believe that we were made to enjoy life with God. I want people to know that. But I don't want to be that Christian. So what does it look like? How do I do it? How do I invite people to enjoy life with God in a way that comes out of my personality, in a way that's natural to me, in a way that is honoring of the person right in front of me, curious about their story, creating space for them to discover Jesus on their own? How do I do that? The other day, our our mailman uh, came up to Chuck in the hallway, and he said, I really need you to get your mail. (laughs) Because we never get it. We never get it. It's like three feet from our front door. It's very hard to do. You have to get a key. It's complicated. We never get it. So we had like an intervention from this postal worker where he's like, I need you to come get your mail. I can't, he said, I can't get anything else in there. So I need you to get it out. So Chuck gets it out uh, and then hands it to me. And I start going through the pile. And there were tons, there were tons of credit card offers and other things that I was invited to sign up, to sign up for and try. So of course, I quickly made a discard and shred pile. And that's not what we're talking about when we use the word invite, a sort of nameless, faceless offer, a transaction. No, it's inviting people into our lives. It's inviting people into community, into belonging, It's inviting people to taste and see that the Lord is actually good. It's inviting people into conversation, into experiences. It's inviting people to discover Jesus and to discover Jesus for themselves. That we're all kind of learning all over again. What does it look like in a post-Christian, post-modern, post-everything world? What does it look like to invite people to enjoy life with God in this place, in this time? What are the paradigms and postures and practices that help us to invite people to enjoy life with God? Paradigms, we begin a new series next week. All the discipleship groups will be studying a book together based on this series, looking at eight paradigms. The lenses that sometimes we carry about who God is and how God's at work and what he's up to. And we're just asking, is that how Jesus sees the world? And maybe if there's a a correction there, maybe as we begin to understand how Jesus sees the world, how that might open us up in new ways to join God and what God is doing in the lives of those around us. And then postures. We'll talk more about this in the coming months. The posture of curiosity. Hey, God, I know you're up to something in that person's life. Help me be curious. Help me be compassionate. Help me be vulnerable. Not showing up with all the answers, but sharing my own story and my own brokenness and how God has met me there paradigms, postures, and then practices. What are the simple habits that help us to connect with those around us? Uh, Later this fall, I'm starting, I'm leading a a missional practice huddle. So if you aren't signed up for a discipleship group and you want to sign up for that, that's going to be Thursday nights later this October. And that's the kickoff, the kind of launch of this kind of learning training huddle. Uh, But there'll be many more in the future. Maybe it's a next step for you down the road to sign up for that training opportunities, coaching opportunities to keep learning practices together that help us invite others to enjoy life with God. Years ago, I was at a conference. 
kind of late, late at night, last session of the night at this conference, and I was tired. I was worn out, not just from the day, but kind of in life, tired and worn out. And I remember hearing the preacher that night, he, he referenced a, a mentor in his life. And the, the words that this mentor said to him at one point, they were so pivotal, so transformative for him. And this mentor, he said to him, your job is to abide with God and welcome others into his presence. Let's break it down. Your job, your job is to enjoy life with God, to settle in, to find that yoke of Jesus easy and light, to get off the performance treadmill, the anxiety-driven way of trying to please God or prove yourself or find acceptance or whatever it is. Your job is to abide with God and just keep welcoming others into his presence. I don't know why I'm snapping, but I started, so I'm going to keep going. This invitation to enjoy life with God, it's for all of us. It's not just the initial step that a person would take. It's the everyday step of discipleship. Learning what it means day after day, year after year, decade after decade, to enjoy life with God. Or as God says in Isaiah 55, listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen. Listen, that you may live. To quote Richard Foster one more time, he says, the salvation that is in Jesus Christ immerses us into the hidden reservoir of divine love and power. I love the language he uses. There's this immersion into the divine love and power of God, bringing into our lives, our actual lives, our messy lives, our real lives. Now I'm going off script. But Richard Foster says into our lives, God's life, informing us into communities of disciples of Jesus who are enabled to express his life and love, inviting others to enjoy life with God. Where we headed as a church, what's the work that we're called to together, the common mission? What future are we aiming for? What unique purpose does God have for us as a church? Friends, may we be about the work, the mission, the beautiful and worthy task of inviting others to enjoy life with God. We're going to take a few moments of prayer. I'm going to guide us through a reflective, prayerful time. So I invite you just to get comfortable in your seat. Take a few moments uh, to pray with me. Take a deep breath if that helps you to recenter yourself in the presence of God. God, we pray that you would remind us all over again that the offer of life before us is life with you. That salvation, that rescue looks like being immersed in the hidden reservoir of divine love and power. Take a moment as you think about our church. And what's one prayer that you have for us as a community? What's one sort of uh, hope, dream, prayer that you have for us? Take a few moments to talk to God about that.
as you think about inviting people to enjoy life with God. Consider for a moment what the Lord is saying to you. What's one prayer you have for yourself? Take a moment and talk to God about that. Think of one person in your life who doesn't yet know Jesus. Take a few moments and, and pray for that person. Pray, pray blessings, pray grace and peace upon them.